Welcome to the Point is to Serve podcast series. We exist to encourage you towards a vibrant and active faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Join us now for this week's teaching. Simply online and following this, I'm Randy Fredrickson, and I have the privilege, uh, along with my wife Elaine, of being parents of uh, a guy named Joel. And he and Tracy are uh, on vacation right now up at good old Lobster Lake, along with our son Ben, who lives in the cities, and his girlfriend. So I'm sure they're having a wonderful time. And I want to thank Joel and the vision team for uh, letting me come and be your uh, preacher for the day. And I must say, I told him not to, you know, uh, let people know who it was, but I can see that somehow that memo didn't get out. And as a result, there's only about half as many people here as usual. Um, The uh, theme for the summer, of course, is uh, wisdom. And a lot of that will come out of the book of Proverbs, but I'm going to share with you in a little while uh, scripture that relates uh, otherwise out of the New Testament. But there is a classic verse about uh, wisdom from Proverbs. It goes this way, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Well, some folks apparently missed that memo, that bit of wisdom. So let me share with you a few folks that didn't get it. My husband and I went through the McDonald's drive-through window. I gave the cashier a $5 bill. The total was $4.25. So I also handed her 25 cents. She said, you gave me too much money. I know, I said, but this way, you can just give me a dollar back. She sighed, went to the manager who asked me to repeat my request. I did so, and he handed me back the 25 cents and said, we're sorry, but we don't do that kind of thing here. (laughs) The cashier then proceeded to give me back 75 cents in change. The wisdom is, do not confuse the people at McDonald's. (laughs) Number two, I live in a semi-rural area. We recently had a new neighbor call the local city council office to request the removal of a deer crossing sign on our road. The reason, she said, was too many deer are being hit by cars around here I don't think this is a good place for deer to be crossing anymore. (laughs) Let that sink in, I think it is. The pedestrian light on the corner, number three here, beeps when it's safe to cross the street. You've heard those. I was crossing with an intellectually challenged coworker of mine. She asked, do you know what that beeper is for? I explained that it signals blind people when the light is red. Appalled, she responded, what on earth are blind people doing driving? (laughs) And this, for those of you who enjoy math, we needed to have our garage door fixed. The repairman told us that one of our problems was that we did not have a large enough Uh, motor on the opener. 
I thought for a minute, and I said that we had the largest one made at the time, a one-half horsepower motor. He shook his head and said, you need a quarter horsepower. I responded that one half was larger than one quarter, and he said, no, it's not. Four is larger than two. We haven't used that repairman since. Somebody got wised up. Hopefully, uh, some souls did take those folks aside and impart some wisdom to them. It's kind of like this example uh, from our own uh, history. We uh, hear from the Our Daily Bread. During the American Civil War, Abraham Lincoln once found himself wanting to please another politician, so he issued a command to transfer certain Union Army regiments. When the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, who, by the way, was of the other party, received the order, he refused to carry it out. He said, Mr. President, you're a fool. Lincoln was told that Stanton, what Stanton had said, and he replied, if Stanton says I'm a fool, then I must be, for he is nearly always right. I'll see for myself. As the two men talked, the president quickly realized his decision was a serious mistake, and without hesitation, he withdrew it. Though Stanton had called Lincoln a fool, the president proved wise by not digging in his heels when Stanton disagreed. Instead, Lincoln listened to advice, considered it, and changed his mind. And then this for us. Have you ever encountered someone who simply wouldn't listen to wise advice? It can be infuriating, can't it? Or even more personally, have you ever refused to listen to good advice? People may not always be right, but the same goes for us. Knowing that everyone makes mistakes, only fools assume that they're the exception. Instead, let's exercise godly wisdom and listen to the wise advice of others, even if we initially disagree. Sometimes that's exactly how God works out things for our own good. Amen? Needless to say, uh, Paul, in what you're about to hear in a moment, uh, confronts a lack of wisdom in the church he's writing to at Corinth. These folks were divided up over who they were going to follow, who their preacher and teacher would be, or what they were going to share with one another what the teaching was. And Joel last week gave a message on this subject too that we have perhaps in our own country to far too large a degree broken up into tribes of red, white, and blue, whatever they might be. And Paul's idea here is that the church at Corinth needs to understand that it's being foolish in their relationships with one another. They're behaving like people who think that they can save themselves by following this person or that person, this teaching or that teaching, rather than the one at the heart of it all. So Paul tells them, 
what the wise glue is that will bind them together, bind them all together. It's not, as you will hear, the performance of more miracles, which is what some of the Corinthian Christians who had Jewish leanings wanted, you know, kind of like back in the Gospels where the Pharisees keep saying to Jesus, well, show us another sign. He'd already done all these healings. He'd calmed the sea, fed 5,000 people. But enough for some folks never seems to be enough. That was a problem in the church. Nor does Paul say, well, if we just pursue enough Greek philosophy among you, Christians will finally get to the bottom of things. And he says the only thing, the indispensable heart of the gospel that all of you are called to believe on is the cross of Christ. I brought my own little cross that somebody gave me years ago to put here on the communion table. Uh, it's what I see when I wake up in the morning in our bedroom. And here's how Paul uh, puts the things that he wants to teach the people of God. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? Paul's you know, he's sticking it in a little bit there. God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching, amen, <laughs> to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks, the pagans, the Romans, who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say that it's all nonsense. You know, there's a, there's a passage in Acts uh, chapter 17 about where, where Paul goes and he says, I see that you have these statues to all these gods and you have one to an unknown god. And, and then the passage continues and it says, well, the Greeks were just interested in endless debates about all, all these points of view. And Paul says, there's but one God who made all things and calls you to repentance and redemption. But to those called, Paul continues here in 1 Corinthians, by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, no red, no blue, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Simply put, the wisdom of God, the deep wisdom of God, is the salvation of human, humankind, brothers and sisters, not just then but now, by the shedding of Christ's blood at the cross. The goal of all spiritual wisdom, which our age is very much seeking like folks were in the time of Paul, is the awareness that God alone saves through the power of Christ on the cross and transforms our lives. It's not just something we say, well, I believe in that. 
but I believe in it that it might transform my life to shape me more to be like the person Christ wants me to be. To believe that sure seemed foolish to that world, which tries to find God everywhere else but in the cross of Christ. You know, it was an instrument of Roman torture. How could, how could this have any saving power? The blood and the horror and the gore of it all, that seemed to be the wisdom of the world somehow to, to wipe out that which said, I've got a different way. I've got a different way of doing this, God says. I love the words of the old hymn, in the cross of Christ I glory, towering, towering over the wrecks of time human wisdom, all the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. You know, all the scripture finally leads up to this point where the crucifixion of Christ for the salvation of humankind. The sacred story of scripture leads to that crucifixion. And in the old, uh, got to sing at times in uh, church um, cantatas and so on and the crucifixion it says in, in the old Latin is etiam pro nobis he died for us nobis His, for all people and then what is this all about why, why does God do this why would he let himself in human flesh be put on a cross it's the wisdom of God that he would show us through it, how much he loves us. You all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. And then I love the next verse too. We sometimes don't hear it so often. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The second verse of that same old hymn, In the Cross of Christ, I Glory, speaks to our condition, the power of the cross. When the woes of life overtake me, troubles of life, hopes deceive and fears annoy. He was saying about that earlier, didn't we? We shall not be shaken. Never shall the cross forsake me. Lo, it glows with peace and joy. What God in his strength can do, taking that instrument of torture and turning it into the source of our salvation and bringing peace and joy. Well, it glows with peace and joy. One of the wonderful things about Camp Judson is that there's this place called, amazingly, Cross Rock. And guess what? On top of it, there's a cross. There's this gorgeous cross, um, if you can put it that way. Uh, 20 feet tall, I guess, and uh, it rains over that place, showing that God's changing lives out there as he is in his church, bringing peace and joy. Our ultimate well-being is caught up in the cross of glory, standing and living at the foot of it. The heart of our faith is in that cross, not the so-called wisdom of our culture or our politics or whatever else tickles our fancy, 
shopping at the mall or whatever it might be. There's another uh, story that speaks to me too about this. By the way, I recommend devotional guides. They really, they really can help a preacher too when he maybe runs out of stories. <laughs> In the early days of the American Revolutionary War, which is of course what we celebrate, I want you to just remember one thing too. The day the Declaration of Independence was made official on the 4th of July, 1776, was not the end of it. We had to fight for another seven years till 1783, till we were finally free of British rule. Long and long, hard things, including the terrible winter at Valley Forge. In the early days of the American Revolutionary War, an expedition was launched against British forces in Quebec. When the expedition passed through Newburyport, Massachusetts, which is on the coast there, on the way to Canada, they visited the tomb of the renowned evangelist George Whitefield. Whitefield's coffin was opened and his clerical collar and cuffs were removed by the soldiers. The clothing was cut in pieces and distributed in the mistaken belief that it could somehow give the soldiers success. The expedition failed, but what the soldiers did demonstrates our human tendency to trust in something less than a relationship with God. Money or human strength or even religious traditions or even magic thinking for our ultimate well-being. Yes, that expedition failed, but God also told his people, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, even when we have trusted in lesser things. God never gives up on us. He still holds our hand to help us return to him. It says in Isaiah, blessed are all who wait for him. Amen. The power of the cross means something for us too. You know, sometimes we relegate scripture to way back then and it was for those people in that time. But what does it mean for us ordinary Joes and Jolines? The continuation of this text. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, I feel like Paul could be talking to us right here, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. You know, in the cross of Christ, there's just literally a, a dividing point, a hinge point in all of history. You know, you could say B.C. before the cross and um, A.C. after the cross. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God because the only one we can boast in is God himself. And so then Paul concludes this idea because he's got this church that's all divided. And, and I'm so glad to hear when I talk to Joel that there's a spirit in this place, in this body of people, 
that does not seem to be like the, at all like the spirit that was in Corinth. Paul had to write two letters to him at least to tell them to shape up. <laughs> Quit thinking they had all the answers, and those people didn't. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. That is the love of God at the cross. Christ made us right with God through the cross. He made us pure and holy through the cross. And he freed us from sin through the cross. Therefore, as scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Amen? Amen. You know, all our human wisdom doesn't matter a lot to God. Just part of the wrecks of time. True divine wisdom is that very last part. God has united you with Christ Jesus in order to do his good work in the world, to transform you, to make a difference. I also, as you maybe could tell because of my age, uh, I work at Trail Ridge. I'm a chaplain out there at uh, retirement center uh, where most of the people are even older than I am. <laughs> so I'm raising the old hymn school. But hey, don't get me wrong, John and praise band. I love this music too. It lifts me up. But they all told a story. And this is another one about the cross and our calling to faithfully and humbly share what it means with the people around us. Lift high the cross. The love of Christ proclaim till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, Christians, follow this triumphant sign. The hosts of God in unity combine. O Lord, once lifted on the glorious tree, as thou hast promised, draw the world to thee. So shall our song of triumph ever be. Praise to the crucified one for our victory. You know, I think of all the powerless and the nothings the world says they are, that God in Christ through the cross has made powerful and truly transformed us followers of his into someones, someones who matter in the eyes of God to change the world and its wisdom into the glory of Christ. And so we can lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim till all the world adore his sacred name. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for bringing us into this place at this time with these, your dear people, your brothers and sisters, dear Jesus, uh, through the cross, who come to worship you, especially for what you have done for us, out of your love for us, given us freedom. For freedom, you have set us free. And from death, through your loving sacrifice, Jesus, we honor and celebrate that freedom by receiving the gifts of your broken body and your shed blood in communion. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to the Point is to Serve podcast series. For more information about pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ or information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Thank you and God bless.